Amen. So we're going into 1 Corinthians 14. And the whole chapter is all about God's order for the church. It says to do, at the end of the chapter, it says to do all things decently and in order. Now how do we do that? It starts out in 1 Corinthians 14.1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. So it starts out telling us the first way there can be disorder in the church, and that's where there's a lack of love. And Pastor Mark and Pastor Melissa did a tremendous job last week of laying the groundwork. So some of this is just given a summary. But I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, which means death, that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. It's saying that you can have the best church, the best preaching, Maybe you've got a powerful worldwide ministry. And none of that matters if you don't have love. You can take every dime you've got. Take it all out of your bank account, your 401k. Give it to the poor and say, I did a great thing. And if you're a person of bitterness, if you didn't do it because you love the Lord and because you love each other, the Bible says keep your money in your pocket. Even, even if I died for God, and I did it just to leave a legacy, just, just so people in history could talk good about me, and I didn't lay down my life because of love, I died for nothing. And see, love is maybe not what you think it is. The love of Christ is totally different than the love of this world. You know, I go to minister in the projects, and I see drug dealers and gangs, and in one sense, they love each other. You know, they, their friends come, hey, how you doing? And they start hugging. You see, that's worldly love that even a drug, a drug dealer can do. If you're my friend and you do good to me, I love you, I accept you. But Christian love is the total opposite. I love you. You can't do anything to get me to stop loving yeah. you. You can hurt me. You can come against me. But Christ, Christian love means that I'm going to love you through the difficulty. And let me tell you something about disorder and love. You can't say you love someone and you mistreat them. Oh yeah, but deep inside, Pastor George, I really love that person. When I go down south, they got a trick for that. When they want to gossip and tear someone up, they'll say, I just love that Pastor George, but, they always put a but. See, that's not love. It, love has to be evident, it has to show. It says in, in 1 John 4.20 that if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. If you hate someone because of who they are, their race, their color, because you don't happen to like them, 
Because they don't fit in. Maybe they hurt or wounded you. And you don't walk in, in forgiveness. It says you're a liar if you say that you hate God, that you love God. What happens is when, when people minister out of lovelessness, instead of compassion, instead of ministering the glory of God, they begin to minister control and manipulation. It becomes, as a minister, it becomes all about my popularity. And if you get too anointed, then you become a threat to me. If I, if I don't love you. You know what I tell them? The prophetic ministry and every other ministry, if you don't love the person that you're prophesying to, you're praying to, and I mean that you really love them, that you don't carry junk around about them, then don't pray for them. Don't prophesy to someone if you if you're not passionate, if you don't passionately love them with the love of Christ. I, I've heard it said in church that, well, you know, now I'm ministering in a small church, but I know that's just a stepping stone to the big churches. People are not stepping stones. Where there's division, bitterness, competition in the church, that is out of order, and it'll tear the church down. In James chapter 1, it says that true religion is love. It's helping the poor, the orphan. If you can't control your tongue, if you're going around tearing each other up, that is not true religion, and the church is out of order. And, and the Lord has given Pastor George a vision of, of what a of church full of love would look like. And he's going to share that. So what does it look like when there's order in the house? Plain and simple, there's love. There's love. Right? And you heard it. But the, the, a healthy body is a stronger body. A healthy body, they, they can carry more. They can get places faster. They can go further. Listen, when there's order in the house, there's unity. Paul, Paul is going off on the Corinthians here about unity. What's, what's unity? Unity means there's no sides. I, I hear this all the time. People say, well, you know, this one is talking about this one, and so, you know, this one was, so, you know, I'm going to side with her because we got, oh, the second that you pick a side, you're on the wrong side. Yeah. Did, did you get that? There is no right side to be because Paul, Paul says, listen, when, there, when there's order in the house, there is total unity. When there's order in the house, there's fellowship. What's fellowship? we got to get this. Fellowship is not, listen, we understand, whenever we get a group of people together like this, you're going to have your friends, right? And, and this group is going to have their friends, and there's going to be this little group of friends here, and this little group of friends. Why? Because you came with those people, or you know those people, or those are the first people maybe you connected with. And that's fellowship. That's okay. When those little groups become cliques, where nobody is us for and no more, there's no unity. There's no love. True fellowship is this. My little group, this is the little group that I, that I know, that I, I feel comfortable with. Okay, so this is us. And now, oh man. You know, and so now we reach out to somebody that, that would maybe fit with our group. You know, that maybe is not in another group. And so this fellowship expands. And so now you include somebody. See, that when, when, when there's love in the house, there's inclusion. 
It means we include. And so now we include this person into our group, and now this person's friends get included into this group. All of a sudden, this little clique got big. It got bigger. And it's not a battle like, you know, what, we're not in the 80s with crews and, and we're battling each other. It, it's a thing that grew growing and growing. And then, you know what's so awesome? You know when you know you did something? When this group overlaps this group, because the same people are in this group that are in this group, and then this group overlaps this group, and then this group overlaps, guess what? Then we're all part of one group. Unity. Amen? That's fellowship. See, when there's order in the house, people are encouraging one another. People are building one another up. Listen, church family, we should never leave the building more discouraged than we walked in. Something's wrong if that's happening. So, so here's our word of encouragement. Here's the both barrels I want to get you. If you have something to say to someone that's not building them up, that's not encouraging, that's not strengthening, shut the hell up. begins to pray through me. He begins to worship through my life. 
And the word says that I'm built up by speaking in tongues. So the Bible says speaking in tongues is a tremendous tool. It'll help you to get into the realm of the Spirit. And if any of you don't and want to, after the service, we'll be glad to pray for you, to believe God, that you'll begin to speak in tongues. But see, there was a problem in the Corinthian church because people love to speak in tongues, not because they they just because it was the spiritual way to pray, but they were speaking in tongues because they wanted to show off. They wanted to walk around, oh, look how spiritual I am. I, I could speak in this unknown supernatural language. But if I speak in a language you don't understand, does that help you in any way? So, so what is it saying? First Corinthians 14.9 If you speak in a way no one can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? There are many languages in the world, and they all mean something to someone. But if I don't understand the language, it's not going to do me much good. It's no different with you. Since you're so eager to participate in what God is doing, why don't you concentrate on doing what helps everyone in the church? See, Paul, through this, he's confronting selfishness. When I come to church, I, I can't have a consumer mentality. And that's what I see in the church today. Oh, Pastor Jordan, I'm just here to be fed. And if, if I'm not fed, if you don't meet all my needs, I'm going to find a church down the block that will. Like, I'm just here like, like I'm checking you out. Like if I'm going to a restaurant. And if I don't like what they're serving, if I don't like the style of music today, they didn't sing my song, I'm out of here. Because it's all about me. And that is the total opposite. See, when I come to church, and this was before I was in ministry, I came with the heart to say, I believe there's somebody I can bless today. I believe I can pray for someone. Maybe I can help someone along their way. I can speak a word of encouragement. See, that's the Christian life. I was shocked when I became a Christian and I put on Christian TV. Because my idea in the past of Christianity was was like was like somebody that's always giving or uh, somebody somebody takes the last money, their last clothes to help someone else. And when I got saved, I put on the TV and every sermon was all about me. How can I prosper? How can I be blessed? Let me if you sow a hundred dollars, you'll get back a thousand. If you're doing that, put your money back in your pocket. Because it's not all about you. It's all about him. The Christian life church. It's all about him. And, and, and you are a vessel of his love to begin to pour out on each other. You don't have to be up here to be a minister. Every one of you is a full-time minister. When you come to church, don't don't just sit with critical, oh, this, did you see that? When you come to church, you you come with a heart of giving. You want to be blessed in church? If you're not pouring yourself out, you're not going to be blessed. I don't care if they sing your song every week. It could be the best preaching. You could get prophetic words and healing prayer. 
And if your heart is, I'm there to give, I'm there to sow my life like Jesus did, then it's all like 1 Corinthians 13 said, this whole prophets you nothing. Might as well go home. I'm probably real with you right now. You might as well just get up and say, this is it. Because you're not receiving a thing. Unless you begin to have that mindset that if Jesus blesses me, I'm going to give. If it costs me everything I have being a Christian, if it costs me my life, I'm willing to lay it down. But I'm not coming here to show off. It's not about me, about my ministry. I'm not promoting myself. I'm not building anything. I'm not walking around handing out business cards. But I'm here to serve. I'm here for you. Will it be silent in the church? Hmm? Will it be silent in the church? Is that enough? No, 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 no. That's not enough. You didn't hear that. What did you say? Women be silent in the church? I don't know. I don't know. That's why you wanted me to stand on that side. I ain't that dumb. I fell for that one first. See, when there's order in his house, there's not selfishness, there is selflessness. Yeah. First John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 Corinthians 13 says, True love isn't always me first. If you want to be a part of the body of Christ, if this, listen, if this is going to be a church, and if this church is going to be about His kingdom, and not just another social club for casual Christians, then we got to be about His business, not ours. Amen? See, Philippians 2.14 says this. This is hard to take this. Watch. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, <clears throat> that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse, twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in this world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Selflessness is about being willing to be poured out. It, I mean, is that a picture? Being willing to be poured out. What, what does that look like? Amen? There's, there's, that, that means there's rejoicing in other people's good. There's suffering in other people's pain. See, the, the American church has this entitlement mentality that has to be broken. Its members want the church to sacrifice for them, but they aren't willing to sacrifice for the church. You don't want me to get into tithing and support right here, but I can where there's order in his house, the body pours itself out. There's selflessness. Go ahead, This is one of those feel-good Sunday morning messages, right? Gives you the warm fuzzies. Definitely, definitely. The, the third and last 
way that we know that a church is out of order based on 1 Corinthians 14 is irreverence. When there's no reverence for the Lord, for the presence of God, for the worship. Hebrews 12.28 says, Worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. In other words, I don't treat God, the presence of God, I don't treat it, I don't treat worship and the word as something common. But before I talk what reverence is, let me first tell you what I don't I believe it isn't. I don't believe that reverence is about wearing a suit. See, Criticize sometimes. Oh, when you go to church, you got to get dressed up. That dress with some reverence for the Lord. See, my clothes might be casual, but inside, I, I have a burning heart for the presence of God. It's not all about the exterior, right? You you can you can wear a suit, carry a Bible, sing old hymns. And your heart can be filled with hatred and bitterness and control and manipulation. It's not about singing a certain style of music. You, you can come and you can do hip-hop, rock, rap. It's not about the style. It's about the heart of the people that are worshiping it. it Irreverence to me is not about telling people you can't jump, you can't dance, you can't, you can't shout. You can't lay on the floor. I've done that all over the world. That is not what the Bible talks about when it mentions disorder. I don't care what the Facebook and Internet critics have to say about it. <laughs> so I'm going to go to verse, verse, down to verse 29, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. I want to read verse 33 again in the Message Bible. When we worship the right way, God doesn't stir us up into confusion. He brings us into harmony. This goes for all the churches, no exceptions. See, what was happening in that church, everybody wanted to prophesy, and they all did it at the same time. And what was Paul saying? That there's got to be an order. There can't be a confusion. It's, he compared it to a trumpet blast. If somebody, if five people are playing the trumpet at the same time, and they're all playing different keys, how is it going to sound? It's going to sound confusing. I'm not going to receive anything. And he's saying it's the same thing with the house of God. Now I'm going to go to a very controversial verse in the Bible. Maybe I've heard. <laughs> verse 34. I'll switch with you. I'll switch with you. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, you're, you're the senior pastor. Right. I'll just say I'll I'll take it. Women should remain silent in the churches. 
They, they are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home. You didn't, it didn't get the worst yet. <laughs> for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. I didn't make that up. It's right there in the Bible. But the question is, what does it mean? Do you know, do you know why we have today the men and the women sitting separate? It's because back in those days, based on Jewish tradition, the men and the women sat separately in the church. And the women at that time, they, were, they didn't go to school. They weren't trained in the Word of God. So you know what they do in church? They start, they start shouting out during the service to their husbands, asking questions. See, the context of, of this chapter is not about the role of women. It's about order in the church. And what it's saying is, in God's order, those women at that time were out of order. And when it says be silent, the word there doesn't mean don't preach, don't speak, don't prophesy. Because all the other chapters in the New Testament talks about women prophesying and, and, and teaching and praying in the church. The gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, it doesn't say they're just for men. It says you can all prophesy in church. It's not what it's speaking about. It's talking about gossiping and chattering and casual conversation in the church. See, during the message, during the, the worship, there's got to be a sense of reverence and awe. So I, I, before I go on, I just want to do something. I, I just want to repent to all the women here on behalf of the church. Now it's safe to come back on this side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to tell you, all the women here, in your past as a Christian, if you've been in a church where you've been made to feel that you need to keep quiet, that you can't minister, that you can't preach the gospel or prophesy or, help, or use your gifts, I, I just want to say I'm sorry on behalf of the church. That's not what these scriptures mean. It doesn't mean you can't talk. It means, it means to not to bring disorder into the church by casual conversation. And in Jesus' name, I just release every woman into your destiny yes. to preach the gospel, yes. heal yes. the sick, cast out demons in Jesus' name, yes. to prophesy, to fulfill your ministry, to go to the nations in Jesus' name. Yes. But that still brings us back to the issue. You see, we can't have a casualness of disorder in the church. I may stand in the back, and this isn't just just women. Although I heard this um, husband and wife, husband I was talking to in the back today, and and um, and he said that his wife his, his wife came to him and said, "Sometimes you forget I'm a woman." And and the and the husband said, "How can I? You're always yakking." <laughs> so somehow all that fits together. <laughs> Well, you're laughing, my nose blew away. So I, I, I don't know where I am. 
but it's talking about casual conversation. I, I see people during the worship, the presence of God is beginning to come. In the meantime, there's people sitting, there's they're talking about what their apps are on their phone, having conversations, walking around as if it's nothing. And, and, and let me tell you something as parents. You know, your kids during the worship time need to learn, like they said at Whitney Houston's funeral yesterday, that church is not boring. God is not boring. You need to teach your kids to worship. You see, our daughters, when they were kids, they didn't sit there with coloring books and video games. We gave them flags. We taught them to, to dance and to get into the presence of God. But if they're born as kids, they're going to be bored when they get older. They're, they're going to turn from, from Christianity. See, I'm not talking here about rigidity. We know that there's situations where people have a crying baby. And not one of us is bothered here by a crying baby. But some of your little kids, sometimes they, they get out of control. That doesn't bother any of us. And if it does bother you, then you need to go up to the mother and say, How can I help you? How can I help you? have situations sometimes, emergencies, you've got to run out. I'm not talking, we're not going to be rigid and controlling, you can't drink coffee, you can't do this and that. It's all about a heart issue. It means when people are praying at the altar and breaking and crying, you don't stand right next to them and laugh about the TV show you watched yesterday. That's the heart of this whole thing. It's the heart of God that when the people of God come together, we set aside distraction. I have a reverence. I have a hunger for God. I have an expectation that something's going to happen in church so God is saying, remove the distraction, the, the, the chatter, and anything that anything that would hinder the clear message of God's love from going forward. It's disorder and disrespectful in the house of God. Amen. 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 So Paul is dealing with a lot of issues of disorder. He said, you know, like he said before, there was the, the thing in Corinth was was speaking in tongues. They like to speak in tongues because it made them feel important. It made them look spiritual. But he says, put it aside. It's great that you speak in tongues, but it's not edifying to anybody near you. So do that on your own. It's better that you would prophesy. So that, and he said, I wish that you would all desire that and that you would want to prophesy. He says, let's have that kind of reverence where everybody else is more important. Where there's a selflessness. Amen? Amen. See, when there's order in the house, there is reverence. And that is, that's plain and simple. There's reverence. You can, when there's reverence, there's always worship. Watch this. You can have worship with no reverence, but you can never have reverence without worship. Think about that. Let that sink in. That is tweetable. That is Facebookable. You can have worship with no reverence, but you can never have reverence without worship. <clears throat> because when you stop and realize the reason why we can gather together, all of us, different backgrounds, different cultures, 
supernationalities, economic statuses. We, why, why we can all gather together even though there are so many reasons why we should be apart. And when you let that sink in, that we can gather together because despite all of our differences, we have one bond in common. And that one bond in common is Emmanuel, God with us. That one bond is the love, the unmerited, undeserved, unconditional love of God. And to think that this God of the universe considered each and every one of us when he created us, knowing that we would fall away, that we would reject him, that we would despise him, and he still went ahead and gave us choice. And then, even after the fall, created a bridge back to his love with his own sacrifice. When that starts to take a hold of us, then we start to grow up. We start to put away childish arguments. We start to think of our lives before we felt the grace of God. We start to be thankful. We start to be grateful. We want to step in. We want to do more. We want to give more. We want to be more. When you start to feel the weight of all that is present there, then and only then can you start to put away your issues. Then, then you come with fear and trembling before this holy God. Church, listen, if you really believe that God inhabits the praises of His people, think about that for a second. If you really believe what the Word says, that God inhabits the praises of His people, then worship would either be dead silent, you'd be scared to move. Or it would be totally explosive. You'd be scared not to move. Can, can you grab that for a minute? Right? If he inhabits his praises, then, then you say, wait a minute, so even if I'm not worshiping, if Ephraim is worshiping, or Chinese worshiping, or, or if one of the musicians is worshiping, and God inhabits that, God is here, I mean, we know God is everywhere, but it says He inhabits. It's like a special, it's a, it's a presence, right? So He's here, then you and I should be either too scared to move or too scared not to move. To, because we want to get His attention. Because we want to say, God, you, God, you're worthy. God, everything. I don't deserve to be here, but I'm here. God, thank you. God, I don't deserve what you've given me, but, 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 but you give it to me anyway. God, thank you. And, and we wouldn't miss a second of it. It wouldn't matter that I wanted to get some cuchifritos from the corner or, 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 or probably wanted some potato chips. Or, no, I, I can't leave. We'll get it after. Right? How many of you, how many of you leave a movie to go to the bathroom? I have never, I don't ever remember in my life stepping out of the movie theater to go to the bathroom, ever. And I, I'm talking about three hour movies, three hour movies. I mean, some of us have issues we got to do and that's, that's cool. But I don't ever remember the why, because I might miss something. Why? Because I was into this movie. Because even if the movie was whack, I paid for it. I, I'm going to get the full thing. Right? If, I, if I step out, somebody might die, something might happen, and I don't understand, then I'm going to come back. Paso, how come this happened over there? Shh, shut up, man. And, 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 and you know, i got to get into it. Why? So in the movie, I don't want to miss nothing. I don't understand how we can come to church. Come on. And it's not, this is not old school Pentecost where we're here six hours, we go home for lunch, and then we come back for another six hours of prayer. 
Our grandparents did that. And they were happy to do it. Crazy, right? They were happy to do it and blessed to do it. To be on their knees three hours. What? We can't sit in comfortable padded chairs. Without, oh, I gotta go get some drink. I gotta go get some eat. I gotta go to the bathroom, check my hair. I gotta check my status. I gotta check. What? Like, really? Well, listen, listen. Where there is, where, 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 where there's order in the house, there's reverence. There's reverence. What's reverence? Reverence is not, you know, putting, putting soda on the chair where it can fall and spill. I have to clean it up later, throw tissue there. Somebody, the chair will pay somebody to clean it later. It's reverence. I got an amen for the one that cleans. Come on! Come on! But there's reverence, amen? Listen, let me give you this quick illustration before we close. Imagine if every time you saw Pastor Gary or myself, we would hand you a $1,000 check. I got your attention? Imagine every time, watch this, every time you bumped into us and shook our hands, we'd give you a thousand dollar check. Wouldn't you look forward to seeing us so much more? <laughs> you'd make room in your schedule. You'd make sure you didn't miss meeting us even one week. Am I wrong? You would go the extra mile to meet with us more. You would make changes in your schedules. You would rearrange birthday parties and dinners and lunches and baptism, whatever it is that, you know, the excuses that we give for not coming on a Sunday. You would rearrange, push back dinners and lunches, rearrange priorities. And every, watch this, it gets worse. And every time you met with us, you would be so attentive to us. Right? You'd be looking in Gary's eyes like <laughs> just waiting for the moment when he pulls the check out, right? And so you'd listen to all his jokes. You'd oh Gary, come here another one. You are too funny. You would treat us so nicely, you would probably, watch this, you would probably bring us gifts. Why? Because you would sacrifice a little bit of your money knowing that you're going to get more money. Don't you find it sad, church, that we would do that for a man for a check? But to the God who created us, who gave us life, who gave us blessings, and who gave us every good and perfect gift, it comes from Him when we gather to celebrate Him, to worship Him, to learn of His Word, to hear from Him. We can be so distracted, so disrespectful. See, church, when there's order in the house, there's reverence, there's respect, there's awe, there's holiness, there's hunger, there's passion, there's expectancy. Because the truth is, when there's true order in the house, there is freedom. Amen. I'm saying, when someone loves you like that, they deserve so much more than what we show them sometimes. Amen, sir. I'm going to ask for the musicians to come.
And it said in 1 Corinthians 14 that speaking in tongues is a great thing. But in church, Paul said, I'd rather that you give one word of prophecy than a thousand words of tongues. Because tongues is just speaking to God. That's private between you and God. But prophecy is receiving a message from God to encourage someone. See, that's love. And we want to model that to you today. So I'm going to ask for those in the prophetic team and also those who I have to join us, if you can come up. And uh, Pastor Melissa, if you could want to help us. Any other pastors want to help? Please, quickly, you know who you are. And if you can get together in twos, And I'm going to ask also for the ushers, some of them to come up. Why? Because we want to do everything in order, like the Word says. When we have captured sometimes, when people are falling, we don't do that to convince people to fall. We do it so they can be ordered. So everyone else, I'm going to ask you to stand. And, and I'm going to pray. And then, for those of you that you today, for you, you can come by yourself as a family. You, you need an encouraging, loving word from the Lord today. Directly from the heart of God to you. I'm just going to invite you to come. So, Father, we thank you today, oh God. I thank you for this house, Lord God. I decree and declare order in this place. Divine, holy love. Divine reverence. Where, where, where a man would lay down his life for his friend, for his brother, for his sister, Lord God. Father, I just thank you that this is not a selfish church, oh God. This is a giving church, Lord God. Where it's better to bless than to be blessed. It's better to give than to that this is a place of love and peace and a people of love. And I just, I just release that over you right now. The love of God that you carry everywhere that you go. Even as, as you see a home, into your jobs, into the school. And we're going to put God first in all things. In Jesus' name. So we just want to invite you to come. You want, you want to hear a message from God today.